You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. A couple of years ago, my wife and I went on vacation to Oregon. We took our kids to go see her family. Her family's from Oregon. And uh, it, was like the, it was like the trip of a lifetime. It was like the weather was good in Oregon. There was no rain. That was like the first miracle. There was... Uh, her brother-in-law was in town, like all her family was there. It was like, we got to go ride um, razors in the hills with my boys. They, they loved it. We got to go uh, behind a boat and go like kneeboarding and like water skiing. And the, like the weather was amazing. We got to go see the sights and we got to shoot guns. Because every male in my wife's family are like men, men's men. Like they build houses, they hunt, they fish. They own firearms. And, uh, and so whenever I go up there, I have to like, you know, try to man up a little bit. And like, yeah, bring the guns, man. Let's shoot guns. And, and so, um, you know, I'm trying to like outman them in something. You know, like, like hey, you want to race? I'll, you know, I'll beat you in a race. <laughs> something like that. But, but her, brother, her brother, my brother-in-law brought all these guns in. And I want, I want my boys to experience like the man stuff. And so he, he brings his guns and uh, my boys get to, get to shoot these guns. And, and it was like the highlight of their, their, their trip. Even though we did all of these cool things, it was like the highlight of their trip was shooting these guns. And um, so this first picture is my, he's now 10, but he would have been eight right here. And he's shooting what uh, my brother-in-law said, it was, it's called like a savage rifle or something like that, which is cool. You know, it's camouflage. Anyways, he's shooting at a, a uh, aluminum can that's about 50 yards away. And so the next photo is him showing what he did to that can. And so he, he literally shot, the, shot that can and blew it up. It was amazing. And my other, my other son did the same. And then, um, and then uh, my brother-in-law brings this, this other gun, this AK-47. And uh, it was, it's actually not legal here uh, in, in California, but it's legal there. I asked him just, just before I showed you this, this video. And... Uh, and this is, a, this is an AK-47. Um, it's got uh, a 30-round magazine, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And my, my 11-year-old, who was a nine at this time, shot it, and he did great, but the video's kind of off. And so uh, I don't want to show you that, but I will show you when I shot it because it, you know, makes me feel like a man. <laughs> but check out, check out this gun. I forgot. So my wife disapproves of that, by the way. I forgot to preface that because I know there's some people that will probably be offended by that. But uh, I promise you that was a private creek. It was about this deep. There's no fish in there. They don't, like, they don't do it all the time. It was just like, you know, like it was totally safe, totally environmentally sound. And... Uh, but I felt like Rambo right there, just so you know. And uh, it was like, it was just a man moment for me and for my boys. So anyways, I found out about this gun and I found out that uh, in Oregon, you can have a 30 round magazine, but in, in California, you can only have 10. And uh, that, that, you know, a fully loaded AK-47 is 30 rounds there, but 10 rounds here. And I started thinking, what if you could have like a hundred round 
you know, automatic weapon or semi-automatic weapon. And the reason that they don't let you do that is because you become too dangerous, they say, for society. And so they don't want you to have, you know, unlimited ability to have unlimited rounds in your gun. So even if you had like a thousand rounds, after you shot the first round, your gun is not now not fully loaded. What if you could have a gun or a weapon that was fully loaded and that whenever you shot a round, it just replaced itself so it was always fully loaded? So you never lost any rounds. It was just fully loaded. Well, I'm happy to tell you that uh, you are that weapon. You are this fully loaded weapon that never runs out of power, that never runs out of rounds. You are fully loaded. That's the title of my message this afternoon is fully loaded. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he comes fully loaded. He comes fully loaded with fire, with power, with gifts, and he never runs out. There's nine gifts, and when you use one, you still have nine. It doesn't go down to eight. You don't, you don't only just get one. You, you are fully loaded. You are like a weapon of mass destruction to the kingdom of darkness, and hell and the devil is terrified of you once you figure this out. Most Christians don't know this. They don't know that they're fully loaded. They don't know that they're dangerous. But I'm here to tell you today that you are dangerous and that hell fears you. He's scared of you. Jesus was fully loaded. He was a weapon of mass destruction. The Bible says he came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. But Jesus didn't want to just do that himself. He wanted us to do it. He wanted us to follow him. He wanted us to represent him in the earth. And so in Luke 3, 21 to 23, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. It's not a dove, but it's like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. And so even Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was fully loaded. He was God on the earth in human form, but he didn't start until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what I liked, what I was going to, I wasn't even going to say this about this passage of scripture, but it's powerful because it says when the son of God prayed that God responded by opening heaven, pouring out his spirit, and then telling him how pleased he was with him before he ever started doing anything. The Bible says that you and I have been adopted into the family of God. And now that we are joint heirs with Christ, we are now sons and daughters of God. And I feel like God say that when we pray, we should expect heaven to open. We should expect the power of the Holy Ghost to come on us. And we should know that God is pleased with us. We should know that God loves us. Why? Because you're his son and you're his daughter. Even if you haven't done anything yet, God is so pleased with you. That's, where, that's like a starting point. That's like a starting point. Because you are a son and because you are a daughter, he died for us. So then Jesus goes about preaching and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. And he did all of it as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He was God, but remember, he took off his divinity and became a man filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason he did that is so that we could fulfill what he said we could do in John 14, 12, which says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. 
We couldn't do that if Jesus did everything that he did as God only. But because he did it as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, now you and I can do the things that he did as a man filled with the Holy Spirit on the earth. And greater things can we do. Because why? Because he went to the Father. Can you imagine him telling his disciples that? You guys are going to change the world and do better things than I did, but I got to go. I can imagine the, the disciples going, Jesus say, what? How are we going to do that when you're gone? And Jesus says this in John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the one that comes alongside will not come to you. But if I depart, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will send him to you. It is a promise that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will send him to you. Jesus will send him to you. He will open heaven and he will send him to you. He will do it. All we got to do is ask. And so now in the upper room in Acts 2, we know that the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit falls on 120 disciples and they go about and they start doing things. They start speaking in tongues, prophesying, all of these things. And the Holy Spirit starts to express himself in all of these different manifestations. They're called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit really quickly and just whet your appetite because we only have about 17 minutes left, but I want to just whet your appetite and you can come tomorrow night and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, the, the, these manifestations are, or, or expressions of the Holy Spirit, it's not like you go around thinking, oh, what gift am I going to use right now? You just do what Jesus did, but these are the expressions. It's good for us to know what he, how he acts and, and how, he can, how he can move in our life. It's different from the from the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit are like character things that aren't given to you, but you have to work on. The gifts are given to you. They're given to you. The, the fruit, you, you got to develop those. You got you to work on those. The, the fruit is unseen. The gifts are outward resulting in signs and wonders. First Corinthians 12, one says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> that verse is funny because so many churches around the world are ignorant of the, of the spiritual gifts because they think that it was supposed to be in the Bible only and it's over now. So they walk around being ignorant, missing out on the fact that they could be fully loaded weapons. Don't be ignorant. The, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church were like new believers and they were in chaos. They were doing things out of order. And so he had to come and bring correction to the church. And he says, don't be ignorant. 1 Corinthians 14, one says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So not only are we not to be ignorant of them, but we should desire them. We should desire them. I remember when I got to C3 and I started to hear about all this stuff because I never knew about any of this stuff. I was so eagerly desiring and I wondered if it was right or wrong because I didn't want it to be like, oh, is it, am I prideful or do, do I want this for me or whatever? Desire spiritual gifts. And so I was like, Pastor Jurgen, how do I do it? How do I do it? I don't care. I can fall down, stick to the wall, fly around. I don't care. I just want to receive the Holy Spirit. And so he just said, he just said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Just stay hungry. Just stay desiring. It's going to happen. And eventually it happened. And I was filled with the Holy Ghost and I became fully loaded. First Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 explains these gifts. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and there's nine fruit so that you're balanced. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. It's not for your profit. 
It's for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you get all nine gifts from day one fully loaded from day one, you have access to all of them. I used to think you just got one. I don't know why I thought that, I just thought that. And uh, until I asked Pastor Jurgen, he's like, no, you don't just get one, you get all of them. And then he said, what if you were in a restaurant and someone had a heart attack and they're dying in front of you and they needed someone to pray for them, but you only had the gift of wisdom. <laughs> you shouldn't have had a heart, I mean like, what are you gonna do? Let me call my friend who has, you know, what if he's two hours away and the guy died? Like, like, like God, the Holy Spirit, God gives you the Holy Spirit to, and then he gives you these gifts to be distributed at will whenever you need them. Whenever the situation presents itself where you need one of these things, he gives them to you. Or whenever you want one of them. Smith Wigglesworth said that if the Spirit isn't moving, he moves the Spirit. And what he means by that is he just steps out and starts doing it and expects the Holy Spirit to come because he knows what the will of God is. That's kind of a different, a different thing, but that, that, that's what it is. So a lot of these gifts operate together. I've divided them into threes just to help us. It doesn't say this in the Bible, it's just to help us. Um, and the first, the first group of them would be the vocal gifts or the communication gifts. First one is the different kinds of tongues. Supernatural utterances in languages not known to the speaker. So the Bible says that we can speak in tongues of angels, unknown tongues, and tongues of man. In the upper room, when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, the first thing they started doing was speaking in tongues in languages of man because people around them knew what they were saying, but they were speaking a language that they never learned. It's called speaking in tongues. This is very divisive in the church. That's why it's so quiet in here. It's very divisive in the church. The devil doesn't want you to receive and start to speak in tongues because tongues is like the gateway gift. It's kind of like the gateway drug. It's the gateway gift. Once you, once you start speaking in tongues, you now realize you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit because when the disciples were in the upper room, they didn't know what power was gonna, was gonna feel like, look like, be like, so they needed a sign. When they started to speak in tongues and languages that they didn't understand, all of a sudden they realized, I've just been baptized with power. That's what Jesus was talking about. So that's like the gateway gift and it comes on you and it opens up all of the other kinds of gifts. Paul said to the Corinthians in, one, in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, it says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. The most powerful disciple speaks in tongues more than anybody else. And it wasn't because he was gifted to speak more than anybody else. It was just because he spent more time doing it. He had a desire to do it. That was just the thing that he did. And that resulted in the most powerful dis disciples. Not the only thing, but that's one of the things that helps him. First Corinthians 14, four to five says, he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in a tongue, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So what he's saying here is when you speak in tongues, you're edifying yourself. You're, the, the Bible says that your spirit praying. 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 13, and 14, it says, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So if I'm sitting in the congregation during worship and I'm praying in tongues, I am edifying myself and my spirit is is praying straight to God. The perfect prayer is the perfect will of God. I don't need to give you an interpretation because I'm edifying myself and I'm praying to God. You don't need to know. It'd be like if there was a Russian praying next to me or singing in Russian, I don't need to ask them what they're saying or an interpretation because they're praying to God in their language. In the same way, I don't need to tell you what I'm saying because I'm praying to God in my language, in my spirit language, in my tongue. Now, if I get up here like I am right now and I say, church, I have a word from the Lord in tongues and I start to speak in tongues and all you are like, what the heck is he saying? I would need an interpretation. So I could either ask, my, ask God to interpret for me or somebody in the, in the audience would have an interpretation and then they would tell you. So that's the only time you need an interpretation. And that's why he's telling the Corinthian church because they were doing stuff all out of order and they were, they were a mess. And God is not the author of confusion, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Verse 39, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, but do not forbid to speak in tongues. Do not forbid to speak in tongues because tongues is the gateway gift. Tongues is the first sign that you are fully loaded. When you start to speak in a tongue that you've never learned before, you will realize that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Don't be afraid of it. Just step out and do it. Tomorrow night, they're gonna be praying for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you should go tomorrow night. It's gonna be awesome. Interpretation of tongues, the second one. It's a supernatural ability to reveal the meaning of tongues. It's a supernatural ability to interpret. Now, uh, last Tuesday morning at Tuesday morning men's prayer, right in there, there was a guy there, his name is Josh, I'm not sure if he's here, but he came up and told me that on that Sunday night, he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. In the morning, we were all speaking in tongues before we started to pray corporately. And after, after we were done praying, he came up to me and he said, Pastor John, uh, God is showing me what that guy is saying. He said, it's like he, it's like he focused me in on that guy's tongue and showed me what he was saying. He had just got baptized on Sunday night. This is Tuesday morning. Because the Holy Ghost comes and he comes fully loaded from day one, from day one. And so I go, dude, do you know that this is a gift of the Holy Spirit? Go tell him what he said. And so, and that was one of two different people that he told that morning what, the Holy, what they were saying in tongues. And one of the guys, I heard him tell him, and he was like, oh my gosh, that means something to me. That's so powerful, like whatever he said. I can't remember what he said. So it's interpretation of tongues, supernatural ability to reveal the meaning of tongues. Prophecy is the other one. This is a supernatural proclamation in a known language. It's exhortation, encouragement, calling forth the words from the spirit of God. Joel 2, 28 says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Prophecy is an encouraging word from God for somebody else. It's what happened to Cody. God gave me a word for Cody, and then you give him a word, and then you prophesy over him. A lot of these gifts work together. So the gift of prophecy can work with the word of wisdom and knowledge and all this kind of stuff. Um, Healings, miracles, it works. They kind of work all together, but this is just what what God is doing. So prophecy is always an encouraging word. 
That's what New Testament prophecy is. One of the best ways to prophesy over somebody that I've found is just start praying for them, thanking God for them, encouraging them, and then God will start to show you things or show you pictures. Okay, the next three, set of three are the revelation gifts. First one is the word of wisdom, the ability to make decisions and give guidance that is according to God's will. It's like divine direction. As I was watching the hero production and uh, Morgan, who was playing Jesus, um, the adulteress was laying down and remember he's coming over and Jesus is writing on the ground and all the people around are like, stone her, stone her. And, and Jesus picks up the stone and says, he was without sin, cast the first stone. Yeah. And the next thing you know, everybody's gone. To me, that's a word of wisdom. That was divine, that was divine wisdom on how to handle a situation uh, and, and love on this girl. That was, that was a word of wisdom. It's just divine direction. One time, a few years ago, after we were losing all of our real estate stuff back in the day, I was sitting in worship at the school in Carmel Valley, and during worship, God dropped the word of wisdom in my spirit on how to sell my house and a short sale and make money legally. <laughs> and, and I did it, and it worked. And it worked, but it was, it was a word of wisdom. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about it. It was just, it was, it was a gift. It was a gift that he gave me to help me in that situation. Um, the word of knowledge is the next one. The ability to have an in-depth understanding or insight of a spiritual issue or situation. Could be insight into a person's sickness, pain, a feeling. It often works with wisdom, prophecy, miracles. A word of knowledge. This morning at the 8.30 service, I had a word of knowledge for somebody that somebody in the crowd had emphysema. I had to look up what that was. I knew it was kind of a breathing thing, but I looked it up real quick to see what it was. And uh, so, meaning I wasn't thinking about emphysema. I don't know anybody with emphysema. I had a word that someone had emphysema. So I called it out at the 8.30 service. And lo and behold, no one raised their hand. I was like, does anybody here have a, or I said, somebody here has emphysema and, they, and no one raised their hand. I was like, wow, that was awkward. Maybe it's for another service. <laughs> but I knew I heard from God. And so uh, after the service, this, this lady comes up to me and she goes, hey, uh, that was me, but it didn't, it didn't hit me right away. And I didn't, you know, she didn't want to be embarrassing like two minutes later while I was moving on with the message. She's like, I, I, I've just been diagnosed with a disease that triggers emphysema. That's the first thing that it does. And so, um, and, sh and so she's like, and then I got diagnosed with this other thing. So anyways, we prayed for the power of God hit her. She was bawling. She was, sh I mean, you could tell something happened. So she's going to, she said, I'll, I'll let you know, like the testing's coming back. But another guy who was sitting right where Mitch is sitting, it was his first time at church. It was his first time at church. He had emphysema, but it was his first time at church. <laughs> so he's like, uh, okay, do, 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 you know? So he didn't get up, he didn't raise his hand, but after the service, he came up, and uh, I didn't even know this, but uh, Alex Greenberg prayed for him right here, and he got delivered from a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of emphysema right there, coughed it up, released in his chest everything, and his best friend who brought him to church has already texted us and said, he's fine, like he's healed. Um, this morning. It's a word of knowledge. It often works with miracles and healings and uh, made me feel a lot better like I actually did hear it from God. <laughs> at the end of last year, I was, I was up at North Campus and I was, praying, I was praying for people and I prayed for a few people and I had a word of knowledge that somebody in the building had one leg shorter than the other one. And so I said, is there anybody here that has one leg shorter than the other one? This girl up in the, up in the corner um, raised her hand. Her friends were like, you know, like this girl. And so she, she comes down. And so I interviewed her and I said, hey, I said, what's going on? And she said, well, this morning we had an altar call because it was a night service. This morning we had an altar call for healing, but I didn't want to go down because I told God, unless they call out my issue, I'm not coming down. That was in the morning. 
And so God cared enough about her to tell me what her issue was to bring her down here. And so when she got down, I told the ushers to get a chair, put it on the stage. There was about 100 people sitting at the altar, standing on the altar, and she stuck out her legs like this, and we all watched her leg grow right in front of everybody. Right there. It was a word of knowledge working with the workings of miracles. It was amazing. Discerning of spirits is the next one. Supernatural ability to detect plans and purposes of the enemy. Ability to discern what spirit someone is operating in, like is it manipulation, is it truth, is it deceit? Maybe it's a good spirit. Test everything. Discerning of spirits will allow you, I prayed for somebody else today, where I got a, a, a discern that there was a spirit of death on her, and as soon as I said that, started bawling, started crying, started shaking, we got rid of that spirit, and so she was set free. Today, right here, discerning of spirits. And by the way, none of this stuff is just for inside the church, by the way. The Holy Spirit is a to-go Holy Spirit. <laughs> he can go with you to your house, to your work, to your whatever. He can go with you everywhere. Um, the next one are the power gifts. There's, there's power gifts. The first one is the gift of faith. Supernatural ability to believe God without doubt and combat unbelief in a situation where there's no way you should believe or there's, a, there's, there's obstacles and circumstances against you. I believe this has happened to me multiple times. One of the times I remember most, and maybe the first time was when um, my one of my kids had, one of my sons had an earache and he was in pain and I wasn't even with him. But my wife called me and she said he has an earache and none of our kids have ever had an earache. So I was like, mm-mm. It's almost like a, it feels like a righteous anger almost. Like, like no, 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 that ain't happening. I know, you know, Jesus is gonna heal or whatever. So I, I started, I hung up the phone and prayed and I was meeting him at Chuck E. Cheese. And so I got to Chuck E. Cheese and, uh, and my son was like, was like asleep and he had, his ear had leaked stuff out. But it was, it was healing. It, whatever it was, like, like, like popped and he was fine. He woke up and he was fine. But that was like the first time I remember there was a time I prayed for somebody in a coma where they got up. There was a time I prayed for somebody that was deaf that could hear. There was a few different times where I know the gift of faith hit me and I was like, mm-mm. And so the gift of faith works with, works with miracles, works with healings, and works with all that stuff. It's not just healings. They can shift an atmosphere or a situation, your financial situation, whatever, your work situation, the atmosphere at your job, whatever gift of faith. The next one is gifts of healings. It's the ability to use God's healing power to restore a person who is sick, injured, or suffering. Blind Bartimaeus in the Bible said, Jesus said, what do you want? He said, I want to be healed. And he goes, okay, you're healed. Gifts of healing. He got healed right on the spot. Healings can happen. Gifts of healings can happen on the spot or it can happen over time. There's a, there's a story in the Bible where the lepers were healed as they went, the Bible says. And so as they started going, they got prayed for. And then as they started going, the healing started to manifest. Um, I prayed for a guy a few years ago who had uh, later on told me he had numbness on, in, one, in one of his legs. He said he used to swim all the time. He used to run on the beach all the time and he still went to the beach, but he couldn't swim and he couldn't run. And so he was, uh, he, the power of God hit him on, on a Sunday, but on that Monday, he started to text me and he said, he said, I was in the water because he would go in the water, but he just wouldn't swim. He would just, you know, get in the waves or whatever. And he just like, without thinking, just started swimming. And he was swimming all over the place. And then all of a sudden it hit him and he realized that his leg was healed, that the numbness had gone away. He got prayed for the day before, but then the numbness went away. And then he started telling me that he started getting memories back of his childhood that he had blocked out previously because of his dad's abuse to him and his family. And so he started telling me all these memories and God set him free from all of this stuff, but it was a gift of healings that happened over time. It happened over like 24 hours. And so when you get prayed for, the Bible says that the, 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 the word of God never returns void. 
So when I pray for people and I release the word of God, I know that it's doing something. It's not gonna return to me without working in that person. And so when you get prayed for, maybe you don't feel an immediate or maybe you feel a little bit at the 10 o'clock service. I prayed for somebody on the stage. He had a, he had back, a back injury and he said, after we prayed the first time, he said that it was feeling really good and really loose and he felt a lot better, but there was still a twinge. So we prayed again. And then, and then he said, he said it felt, it felt 100% better, but it took like two times to pray. It took a little bit of time for it to manifest. And I, I honestly think it probably would have, it probably would have felt better even if I didn't pray again, just, it just would have taken a, you know, a few, a few moments, but we prayed for him again and he got healed. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. But what you have to think about if you're the one getting prayer is you can't go to doubt. Oh, nothing happened. Nothing happened. You got to say, thank you, God, for healing me and keep the faith. And if you're doubting, don't say it out loud. Because the devil will hear you and he'll jump on that and he'll bring you right back to where you were. So if you think about it in your mind, just, just don't say it out loud. Don't say it out loud. That's biblical too, by the way, but I don't have time. Okay. <laughs> Working of miracles. Able to perform signs and wonders, display the power beyond the natural. So the working of, of miracles is like when Jesus turned water to wine. The, the water turned to wine, but it wasn't until they filled the wash pots up and then started to serve it that it, did it, did it uh, turn into wine? The fish and the loaves, they didn't start to multiply until they started to pass them out. They had to work the miracle. Peter and John went to the gate beautiful and there was a lame man at the gate, lame for 40 years, and they grabbed him and pulled him up. They worked the miracle. Oftentimes that when you, when you get prayer and you have pain, people ask, you know, I'll ask you to do stuff you couldn't do before because you're working that out. You're working the miracle. By stepping out in faith, the miracle happens. And so you're working miracles. Um, Jesus did all kinds of miracles, all kinds of miracles uh, in the Bible. Um, the, at the 8.30 service, the guy had carpal tunnel. We prayed for him on the stage. He took his brace off. He started, I said, move it, move it, move it, move it, move it. And as he's moving, it's feeling better. It's feeling better. This one loosened up and then this one loosened up and he left the stage feeling great. Um, and so, he, but he had to work it. We had to work it. We had to work it. We had to do it. And so it's the workings of miracles. Um, one of my favorite miracles uh, was Morgan Irvin, who played Jesus a few years ago, came to a Holy Spirit night. We prayed. He had back pain. He had sciatica down his leg. He'd spent $100,000 on doctors, on natural herbs, on medication. He was taking the, the highest limit he could of pain medication every single day because he couldn't get rid of this pain. It had been a year. In a 20-second prayer, I go, prayed for him. He didn't even want me to pray for him. He'll tell you that. He wanted Dr. Matt to pray for him because Matt's a doctor. That's what he told me. And so I pray for him. Next thing I know, I look over because we tell him to do something he couldn't do before. He's stretching. I didn't even know what was wrong with him. He's stretching. He's doing all this stuff. He's doing all this crazy stuff. He was healed in a moment what he spent $100,000 on to every doctor and everything. But in a moment, because he worked that miracle, he was healed. It's called the working of miracles. It's called the power of the Holy Ghost. It's called being fully loaded. And we all have that same power and opportunity. And this stuff happens every single day, every single day. But we can't be ignorant. We can't be ignorant and you gotta step out and we gotta do it. And this is why, this is why I think uh, I'm so passionate about this. This is one of the reasons, not just because I got healed 12 years ago of kidney failure, but because I hear so many naysayers, even, 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 even um, researching this message today, I'm reading stuff online and I'm going, man, how sad that you believe that. How sad that you don't believe this. How sad that you think it was, you know, just for the four apostles or whatever that, that we're doing. Like, how sad is that? 
I wanna prove to everybody that God is real. I wanna prove to everybody that he still heals today, that he's still powerful today, that he still moves today. And uh, it's, like, it's like King David, and this is, I'm finishing right here. King David in 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 46. We all love David and Goliath. It says this. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel with, it, with whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. This is it. That all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I am passionate about the power of God so that I can prove to everybody that doesn't think it's real that it's real and that he still moves today. And we're gonna keep pushing the envelope so that we can prove to everybody that there is a God that is still alive. The God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can change your life. He can heal you in a second. He can change you from eternity without him to eternity to him in a moment. And I don't even think we've barely even seen anything yet. I know I haven't seen anything compared to what God wants to do. But he's never gonna do it unless we just try it. Unless we go for it, unless we desire it, unless we're not ignorant of it. That's what, that's what I want us to be, the church, C3 San Diego. Be the church that proves to the world that God is real. Proves to the world that God is real. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 